<coughs> excuse me, got to edit that out. You're listening to The Podcast Method, where I answer your questions about podcasting and recording, audio and video equipment, the software that we use to make these things, mic technique, uh, pre and post production, workflows, and more. I'm Dan Benjamin. I have been podcasting since 2006. That's crazy. That's a long time to be podcasting. I, I went full time with podcasting in 2008. And then I launched Fireside.fm, I guess, about three years ago. Uh, in, uh, I guess, uh, like late 2016, maybe I would have to look, I don't know because all I do is podcasting. It's what I think about. It's what I'm passionate about. And I just want to say thanks to all of you for supporting me for supporting this show, for making this show possible. And recently coming back and doing this new episode of a new season after taking a break, your comments have been so positive and so encouraging. It is so nice to hear that from y'all. I can't tell you. So many of you tweeted to me or emailed me saying, thank you so much for bringing the show back. Or I started podcasting because of you and because of the show. My gosh, that's amazing. That is amazing to hear that. It totally like makes my day in the biggest way, makes my week, my month. So thank you so much for listening. And a huge thanks to everybody who has pitched in uh, to the Patreon to make this show possible. Like the thing is I podcast for a living. This is how I make my living, right? This is not a hobby for me. It's, it was a hobby in 2000, from 2006 to 2008. And ever since then, this is how I make a living. And some of the shows I have sponsors and uh, other shows like I'm experimenting with this one. It's all, I'm trying to make this all listener supported. I don't want to have to start doing sponsors. I would much rather keep this listener supported. So those of you who are going to the Patreon and supporting the show, that is so amazing and so important. And I just want to say thank you again to everybody, whether you're contributing five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, a dollar a month, whatever it is that you think is fair, every little bit helps. This is how I make my living. Uh, so thank you so much to everybody who's done that. The URL is in the show notes. Uh, the show notes are um, our podcastmethod.fm slash 28. Uh, but you can also just go to patreon.com slash podcast method. And I'm going to be releasing these shows early for everybody on Patreon. So if you're a supporter, uh, you can, uh, you can go and hear the show early. You can hear it first if you're meeting that uh, first tier. So thanks to everybody who's doing that. That's a little gift to you, but there'll be more, there'll be videos. There'll be so much. I'm working on so much, but one, you know, one day at a time, that's all I can do. There's so much I want to do. And I thank you all for tuning in and making this possible. Now on to the show. The big news, uh, there was this event last week called Podcast Movement Evolutions. Now you've probably heard, uh, I guess Podcast Movement, I don't know how many years it's been going on. I've spoke at Podcast Movement a few times and it's always been a great time. It's been great fun. And they expanded. They added a second conference called Evolutions. And it seemed like uh, this was targeted or geared a little bit more toward industry people and pro what a, 
air quotes, professional podcasters. Um, and what that really means, I guess, is I guess people like me who are making a living doing podcasting or people in podcast sales and, and uh, podcast companies. It wasn't just for those kinds of people. There were lots of indie people and regular old podcasters there, too. I didn't go to this conference this time around. I was planning on going, but couldn't make it. Uh, but I talked to a handful of people about it. And got their thoughts and feelings about it. And I wanted to share some of those with y'all. And there's especially, there is one big piece of news that came out of this that a lot of people are talking about. And it's, it's very, it's very interesting. Uh, there's people who think it's great and there's people who think it's horrible. And I want to talk about both of those aspects of it. So what the heck am I talking about here? What is this that uh, that people are reacting to so intently in uh, in the podcasting space? Well, there has been announced at the conference something called uh, the Podcast Academy. Now, when you hear the Podcast Academy, you might think, oh, this sounds great. Uh, it's going to help people learn about podcasting. It's a, it's an academy. It's like uh, the X-Men Academy where you can go to learn to be a better X-Men. No, it's not that kind of academy. Think Academy Awards. It's that kind of academy. And, uh, and so, you know, there's, there's awards for, for movies, for TV, for music. Well, here's one for podcasts, but wasn't there already one for podcasts? In fact, weren't, there are a few already for podcasts? Yes. The answer is yes. There were. And what's also interesting about this is the people behind it, uh, there are a lot of big companies, big people in podcasting. Um, I'll read you some of the, and by the way, the links to this and more are going to be found again at podcastmethod.fm slash 28. So that's where you can go to if you want to read the press release and things like that. I've got it all linked up there for you. But they've got people from uh, from Stitcher, from NPR, from PRX, Spotify, Wondery, Sony Music, uh, Criminal. A lot of people were there announcing it. What was not represented was any of the indie podcast developers, uh, people who are, you know, regular podcasters, I guess you could say. And it's funny because... I started in 2006, like I said at the top of the show, but I'm still like, that. oh man, he's OG. No, I mean, people like, like my friend Adam Curry, they're OG people. They're the people that originally started this. Um, Adam Curry, and one of the biggest influences on, on me when I was first starting podcasting, of course, was Leo Laporte doing, uh, doing stuff at, at, at Twit. You know, these people are never mentioned they're never mentioned. They're never brought up at these things because it's now, what is podcasting now? It's all about big names, big money, and, uh, and, it, and anything to do with the indie part of podcasting, which is the part, part that I'd love the most, that's not even mentioned typically. Is that bad? No, not necessarily bad at all. In fact, it, it, it would take the buy-in of these big media presences, these big businesses who are coming in to, to get something going. Uh, and, and so in that sense, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty good, but then you get things like, like there's this coverage from Bloomberg on it. And I'll put this article in the show notes too. And, uh, and this article is entitled, um, podcast producers are creating their own version 
of the Oscars. That's what they're saying. And I love how wrong this article is. Everyone's pointing this out, but I've got to read it to you. This is in the Bloomberg article. Listen to this. Born in the halls of public radio, podcasting has emerged as one of the fastest growing businesses in media over the past few years. Born in the halls of public radio. Really? So that's where podcasting started. I think they are talking about cereal, don't you? I didn't realize that podcasting started with cereal. Where have I been all these years? I am such a dummy. You need to have a little correction in there. It was not born in the halls of public radio. And I expect more from, uh, from all of you journalists out there. It was not born anywhere near the halls of public radio. But anyway, now check this out. We have these podcast awards. So I talked to a friend of mine and I hope he doesn't mind me quoting him on this, uh, but he was there at the conference. I'm talking about Dave Zarab, who I'm going to have uh, on the show at some point. I think he is the uh, founder, co-founder of Chartable, which is an amazing, uh, really, really great stat system that you can use for your podcast if you're not uh, happy with your own uh, stats, or if you want really great stats that uh, compare you, that help you compare to other shows out there and the performance, it's a really nice system. Um, a lot of hosting companies have their own stats. You can often use chartable stats in tandem with the stats that your, your provider is also giving you. So like, for example, if you're a fireside customer and you want to also use Chartable, that's no problem. You can use both. You get the information of both. But I, I'm so impressed by what Chartable has done. I really, really like the direction that they're going in. And um, I would say I'm friends with Dave and I really, he's a great guy. So, um, so I asked him, I said, what, what do you think of the whole Podcast Academy announcement? What was the vibe, you know, in, in this you know, in, in the room when it was announced, you know, and he said that he thinks, and this is, I'm paraphrasing him because we were talking over, over text, but he just said he thinks it will be a net positive for the industry. He also said he could understand that longtime podcasters or indies were going to be skeptical. He said, but overall having, and this is a quote, having the PR machines of these people and organizations raising the profile of the medium will be good for everyone. So I think that's a very positive take on it. As usual, I feel like the indies are a little bit stepped on uh, and not included. This is something that was kind of done in secret and then unveiled. And I understand that. That's the way I launch things too. But getting as long as they make it so that the independent podcasters and the smaller podcasters have a, no pun, have a voice in this too, uh, then I think it will be... Uh, I think it will be a net positive. So I, I tend to agree with, uh, with Dave um, on that. Again, I wasn't there in the room. I didn't get to see the vibe of it. But what, what he said was that the overall vibe was pretty good. He said that there were, you know, that he said it was very positive from where he was sitting. And, uh, and he said, you know, if you want to see the, the anger toward it, just go on Twitter. That's where all the anger is anyway. But yeah, so this is a big deal though. Uh, the fact that, we have such might in the form of these big companies and big players coming to say, we're going to have this. So what is what does awards really do for podcasting and podcast industry? I don't know. And I can't go so far as to say if I'm for or against it yet. I want to see what happens here. What's distasteful to me or my initial reaction, I shouldn't say distasteful, uh, but my initial reaction to this was more 
Was this really a thing that we needed? Did podcasting need awards? Awards really only make a couple people feel good and make everybody else feel horrible. That's what awards do. It's a chance to see people that you like lose. That's what award ceremonies are all about. I can, I can just tell you uh, there are a lot of people who won't care about it. But if there is an awards process, if there isn't a, an you know, Academy Awards for podcasts, doesn't that shed more light on it? Doesn't that bring more attention to podcasting? Not that it needs it. Doesn't it make it more mainstream? Isn't that what we want? So I'm, I'm a little bit mixed on it, but I'm open-minded. I like to be open-minded. And honestly, it comes back down to anything that brings more people to enjoy podcasts, the, the happier I'm going to be. If the podcast awards brings 50 more listeners to this show somehow, well, wasn't it a positive thing? I'm not going to, I'm not going to win any of the awards ever at podcast Academy. I'm, I'm just not going to, uh, unless they come out with like, uh, some kind of like lifetime achievement awards for the unknown podcaster. I might win that one, but otherwise no. And you know what? You're not probably going to win any of the awards either. Does that mean it's bad? No. Uh, especially if it brings more attention to the industry and gets us, um, you know, a, a more engaged audience. Cause that's, what it's all about, right? Audience engagement. Uh, but that, that was a really big deal, but let me share with you some of the reactions, uh, to this, uh, because there are, you know, there was a post that came out and originally the post and some other things, uh, came out and, and, and were kind of negative toward it. So a lot of people were reading some of those first articles, which were kind of negative and responding to those with their own negativity. And, and I think everyone can just take a little step back and take a look at this and just wait, wait and see. That's the best thing to do here. But, um, Elsie Escobar, who is at Libsyn and does she podcasts, um, she wrote a long thread in which she said that long-term podcasters, quote, are systematically overlooked and erased by legacy coastal media and the reporting. Um, and of course, also criticized that podcasting was born in the halls of public radio. Remind me, what is that where it was born again? I keep forgetting. It was not. Uh, that's right. It was not. Thank you for reminding me about that. Um, Daniel J. Lewis of My Podcast Review says, I was too hasty to judge the new Podcast Academy based on one journalist's coverage. The more I read, the more I like it, and the more I think indie should jump in. You know, again, makes sense, right? Uh, let's let's have, are they going to open it up to independent people? I think they have to. I think they should. Let's just, let's see what happens. Now, there is another article and I, um, I, I don't know Tom Webster personally, but uh, I talked to him a little bit on Twitter about this and, uh, and this, his article, he wrote a nice medium piece called Podcasts Biggest Mistake, uh, where he, he was there at the conference and talked about the Podcast Academy. And, uh, and this is one of the articles that, that came out, but he's got a very interesting, uh, perspective on it. I won't spoil the article. It's worth a read. It'll, it'll take you 10, 15 minutes to read it. Uh, but it was, it was very good. And, um, and the one thing that I think, you, you know, you can take away from this is 
the goal of the Podcast Academy, and, and in fact, let me just read the quote from Tom's article. The Podcast Academy has an organizing principle to promote the medium and grow its audience. And standing for something is generally better than standing against something or worse, nothing. I hope it becomes the big tent that the ADM failed to be. To do that, though, requires its members to understand something about this chart. And he's got a little chart here that shows monthly podcast listening. And it says that the um, total, this is the total U.S. population, 12 and up, and the percentage who listened to a podcast in the last month. Okay. In 2008, this is supposedly out of the total U.S. population. It was uh, 9%. In 2015, it was 17%. In 2019, it's 32%. They're estimating 90 million people listen to at least one podcast in the last month. You think that's a lot of people, and it sure does sound like a lot of people, but that's nothing. That is nothing. So again, anything you can do to bring more people to the medium, to have more people listening, I think it's got to be good. I'd love to hear what you think about that. You can email me. I'm Dan at 5x5.tv. Send me an email or hit me up on Twitter uh, at Dan Benjamin. If you want, I would love to hear your thoughts about it. And of course, I would love to hear your questions and comments and, and anything else that's on your mind. Send it to me. And if you want me to read it on the show or answer it on the show, I'd be happy to do that. There's one more comment about this that I thought uh, would be interesting. And that is what one from uh, Rob Greenlee, who's a friend, friend of the show. Rob Greenlee works at Libsyn. And he wrote, how about all the mediums founding influential podcasters, production, hosting companies that are missing? Just so many missing on being asked to join initially. We need to build this in an open way and not in secret. And uh, he adds, apparently after a conversation, he said, I appreciate Hernan Lopez. That's the... Uh, the, the person in charge of this, for his willingness to step up and take a leadership role and to work on the goal of making the Podcast Academy and the new awards truly representative on board of governance of the whole podcasting community. But you know what? You're never going to be able to represent the whole podcast community. It's just, it's not going to happen because of people like me who are completely outside of what the, you know, the, the big companies like Wondery are doing, despite the fact that we were here from the beginning. Again, I, I think it's great. Bring more attention to it, but it's going to be impossible to be that inclusive. We're going to have lots more awards showing up. Honestly, I've won some awards for podcasting before for some of the shows that we've done. I've been in iTunes best of multiple times. I've got um, a there the .NET magazine. Anyone remember .NET magazine? That gave me uh, me and Jeffrey Zeldman. Uh, like a best design pod, you know, a podcast about design award. I've got a bunch of these awards. They don't, unfortunately, they don't translate to anything. They don't give you anything. You don't make, uh, you don't get more listeners. You don't make more money. You don't get more shows. It's just, it's nice to have on your shelf and it makes you feel nice to be appreciated. But, you know, and maybe something different will come out of this. Maybe this new kind of thing will, will lead to more sponsorships or lead to more funding. Who knows? Uh, so, Anyway, there you, there you go. And I think that's enough about that. Uh, but just something to, uh, just something for all of us to think about. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting time for podcasting. And if you're a podcaster or you're thinking about becoming one, I'll tell you what, now is a very, very good time to get started. But it is so hard, so, so difficult for people to get started in podcasting But the reason why has changed so much, the reason that it used to be hard was because the technology was hard, the tools were hard, the gear was expensive. 
And that, that was why people had trouble getting started in it. Now, all of those things are solved problems, totally solved problems. It's easy to go and get a mic and start recording. And it's easy to find a podcast hosting company to put your stuff on, but it's harder than ever to get heard because there are so many podcasts out there. And that actually brings me very nicely to the topic of discussion, uh, which is uh, some of your questions. And um, I wanted to read a little bit of uh, a little bit of feedback. Um, this one is from um, from a listener, Bastian Inuk. I sure do hope that I pr- I'm so bad with names. But uh, Bastian writes and says, I'll, thank you for restarting the podcast method. A lot has happened since you last posted an episode. I got a girlfriend. I moved to the other side of the Atlantic. I moved back here. I moved out, got a new brother and recently proposed to my now fiance. You see, and now I don't think he he necessarily was saying it, but I take full credit for all of the amazing things that have happened in Bastian's uh, life and career because of the show. That's what you meant, right, Bastian? I'm just kidding. But I would love to hear your story. Did did this show or another show inspire you to start your podcast? I don't care if it's a show I did. I just want to hear what your story is. How did you get started? Tell me on Twitter. That would be a wonderful thing for me to, to, to learn about. And if I was influential, tell me, but if it had nothing to do with me and you heard some podcast or wanted to tell a story and now you've got a show, tell me about it. I love to hear these kinds of stories. Here's a question uh, from, we don't talk about that with Lucasland. Okay, that is uh, that is the name of this person. How do you build audience engagement? What is most effective for indie podcasts starting from zero, not bringing big social followings from other projects? Email newsletter, Patreon, contests. What works and doesn't work on social media? Thanks. And there is, all, first of all, this is one of the toughest things, getting audience engagement. You hear me on this show saying, please tweet me, please email me. That's because... I really have to keep asking and asking and asking. Of course, I would love it if you could review the show on iTunes too. That brings new listeners in. All of these things are critical. So one of the things that I would encourage you to do, especially when you're first getting started, and it's so silly because this is exactly what I was saying a few years ago when I was doing these shows. It's, it's no different. But how do you build audience engagement? Obviously, you can say, email me. You can say, write to me. But you know what? It's like one out of every maybe hundred people will actually do that. I used to do a call-in show called Quit. And I did it for a few years. It was getting monstrous downloads for its time, 60, 70, 80,000 downloads per episode. I would do the show live and I had a live call-in system, which I still have, uh, that allowed people to use just their phone and they could just call up and be on the show. Very nice. Just like regular old fashioned talk radio. And it would put them on hold and they'd be on hold. And then it would bump them up in the queue when it was their turn. And I would take their calls and it was really cool. And I would get dozens of people. Dozens sounds like a lot, but when you consider that it was getting tens of thousands of downloads and the live listeners were measuring in several thousand people every Friday, because we would do it Friday at like 5 p.m., uh, you know, quitting time, et cetera. Dozens, that's all that would call in. Well, that's still a lot, but it's not even a fraction of the actual live listeners, let alone a fraction of the actual downloads. Man, it's so hard to get that. It's so hard to get audience engagement. You could say, well, Dan, it was live and it was on a Friday and et cetera, but 
that generally is the same thing when we would come out with a, with, um, you know, doing like a survey of our listeners on, on a show like back to work where we've asked people to do surveys or other places, you know, a show that's getting many tens of thousands of downloads. We might only get a few hundred respondents to, you know, to fill out a survey. Well, yeah, surveys are boring and we never gave them a, a carrot on a stick and said, well, you might win an Amazon gift card if you do it. But I see that a lot, but really it's, it's all experimental for what I've found to be the most effective way for indie podcasters who are starting from nothing, right They're, They don't, they don't have 30, 40, 50,000 or 500,000 or 5 million uh, followers. They don't have a TV show. They're not a movie star. They're not a recording artist, right? So what do you do? How do you get those people there? It's going to sound dumb. Again, it's the same thing I've been saying for years, get them to leave reviews on iTunes case in point, or now we call it Apple podcasts. I realize that, uh, I'll, I'll tell you how powerful something like this can be. I have recently started doing another show, uh, with a couple friends of mine. Uh, it's called, uh, the Picard and guess what it's about. That's right. It's about Star Trek Picard, uh, the new TV show that I just love so much. Well, if you search right now, as of today, if you just search for on, on, um, on the Apple store, if you search for Picard or the Picard, uh, we're not necessarily going to be the first one that shows up in the list, but we're the highest rated. What does that mean? That means that we are going to be seen maybe first or earlier in the lists. Uh, if you're looking for a show to listen to, we will have a show that is higher ranked because of those reviews, because of those ratings. And it's not like we got a ton of them either. We, we've got a 5.0 rating, 26 ratings there. That is not a lot of ratings at all, but it's enough to put us at the highest rated and most rated podcast about the Picard. We're not doing it for that. We're doing it because we love the show and we're having fun doing it. But just saying on that show, hey, it would really help us listeners if you would consider going to Apple Podcasts and, and you know, leaving a review or, or dropping a rating. Now, to give you another idea, a show that I've been doing since 2014, Back to Work, which is a show that I do with, uh, with my friend Merlin Mann. So we've been doing this show for many, many years, longer than 2014, I thought. But uh, it's got 4.5 stars and over 2,000 reviews or ratings, rather, of that show. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, that's a lot. And again, you know, that's a way that people can find out about the show. That is key. And still, even though Spotify is moving up in popularity for podcast listening. And maybe it's, maybe it's as much as uh, Apple podcast. Maybe it's not, but it's, it's right up there. Getting people to review it on iTunes, Apple podcasts is truly the best way to help new listeners discover your show. It's where it works better than an email newsletter. It works better than a contest. It works better than tweeting about it. I remember a friend of mine uh, who runs a, a fairly big kind of, um, uh, he does like talks about gear and cool gear reviews and stuff like that. He's a very well-known website. And uh, the, uh, I forget the, the celebrity that, uh, that talked about it, but someone was interviewing a celebrity on TV and 
they said, well, what are, what's one of your favorite websites? And he talked about my friend's website, just briefly, just mentioned it. That completely changed. They went from like a few hundred thousand views a month to millions and they stayed there. And I think the same thing can happen with podcasts. If you can get those reviews and more in front of more people and those ratings that will put you in front of more people, that's the best thing that you can possibly do. The other thing is I want to talk about setting your expectations. Set your expectations low. If you're not doing it because you're passionate about it, then you're probably going to be pretty disappointed. I don't care how many listeners I have to the Picard. We don't care. The three of us, we're there. We're having fun. We're talking about a show that we like. And I hope that that comes across in the show itself. I hope that comes across to listeners. And I, th- I think it does. I hope it does. But that's why I'm there doing it. Now, the same thing is for this show. Like, if I wasn't doing this show, I might be doing a show that might have sponsors and might make money. Or I might be writing code for Fireside or promoting Fireside in some way or, or being on a sales call. Those are all things that I do in a regular day. But instead, here I am taking my time out to do this show. Why? Because, well, yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about it. But my hope is that I'll, I'll make an income from it. But it takes a long, long, long time. Even for somebody like me who's been podcasting way too long and, and has a following, launching a new show is still incredibly difficult. Uh, I don't have tens of thousands of listeners on this show anymore. I did at its peak, but now not doing it for a few years, all of those people are going to have to rediscover the show. Maybe the audience will never reach what it was. But again, I don't want, I want to point out, it's not the number of listeners that I have. It's like I said at the beginning of the show, and this is true for everybody. It's the quality of the listener. Is this somebody who shows up every week, who gets upset if you're, you know, if you release the show late, that's the kind of listener that you want. And you don't need a lot of those listeners. You just need a handful of them. If you can get a few hundred listeners who love the stuff that you're doing and they will help you promote it, they will review all of your stuff, they will tweet about it, they will help you grow the show. And if that sounds like you as a listener listening to this show or listening to your other favorite show, you know, do do those podcasters a favor and you know, leave that review, tweet it when you, when you listen to it. You know, if you, if you have an app that you like to use, like overcast that makes it easy to share a clip, share your favorite clip. Uh, another thing that I found is a really nice tool to use is an audiogram. Um, I'm, you know, I don't know how I feel about the name audiogram. I think it's fine. Uh, but I'll put, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes, just talking about, uh, about audiograms and some that I like. Uh, but basically what, this does is it lets you uh, take a clip of your podcast and you can define the size of the clip and then create a easily shareable video, which usually has like a waveform, right? Um, and and it has like your cover art or another image that you upload. And it'll you can post this to social media like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And it's square, so it looks good on Instagram, that kind of thing. And it allows you to uh, to really spread the word about your show. And you can share that little clip, you know, that little clip that you like of your show. Making it easy for your listeners to do that also helps. But creating these, they're very they're very shareable. And isn't that the toughest thing about podcasting in general, right? It's hard to share this stuff because like this podcast, we're already at like half an hour. 
It's not like a video that can go viral, like a, a, a three minute video of, you know, somebody doing something funny and, and then everyone has seen it. It doesn't work like that. So how do you attract someone to listen to your podcast, right? You might say, oh, that, that 30 seconds right there where we made that joke and we laughed and we said the thing, that's, that's solid gold. We got to put that out. Use, use an audiogram to do that. Um, the one, one of the companies that does it that I like that um, I actually integrated into Fireside is called Headliner. They're over at headlinerapp.com. I went ahead and put them in the show notes. Uh, they're not sponsoring or anything like that. I just like them. Uh, but there are lots of other companies out there that uh, that are doing this too. But this is one that I found uh, should be pretty easy to use. And it might be something that uh, that you like too. And there's a way to start for free, which is cool. Anyway, go check out uh, Headliner. Oh, no, it's headliner.app. Sorry, did I say headlinerapp.com? It's headliner.app, but it's in the show notes either way. And uh, go check that out. But again, like does a contest work? Uh, does a newsletter work? Those things can definitely help, but there is no perfect answer. There is no definitive quintessential solution uh, for this. Um, another question that came in um, from Mike Stanley. Mike is, uh, I, I see him on Twitter a lot. He's always making great comments and asking really great questions. Thanks for your support, Mike. I appreciate you. Have any of the web-based services that allow recording of host and guests without requiring technical expertise or extra software, especially for the guests, reached a level of quality that you would recommend them? Uh, you know, yes, there are there are some. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that re- still record in in essentially the old-fashioned double-ender way, where they're you and your guests each, if they're in different locations, where they each record their own audio, and then they get mixed together in the end. So you're getting high quality audio from each from each co-host. And then the editor, engineer, that's usually you, right, is the one that's uh, mixing these together. So I see that a lot, people still doing it that way. Is that the best way to do it in 2020? I don't know. Uh, I know a lot of people really enjoy using Zencaster. Uh, Zencaster is a really cool company that lets you essentially record in your browser. It records a separate track per guest. And that's what I really like. You don't have to worry about um, a bad connection leading to a drop or anything like that. Um, they also let you, they have like a soundboard in there if you want to edit. And there's some kind of audio enhancements and post-production stuff. But there are other tools out there Um that uh, that allow you to actually do more than that. You can actually edit um, inside of the application in the browser. Um, you know that you know, like I think, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Tricast is is the one, or they're just I think they're just Cast is the name of the company. Yeah, Cast, but they're at t r y c a dot s t. I'll put that in the show notes too. They allow you to record and then edit and then publish all from within the browser. This is not appealing to me in any way, shape, or form. You can call me a dinosaur because I like to use actual applications. I don't know. Uh, But when I edit, I edit using Logic Pro. Uh, That's what I use. I know a lot of people that use that. They might use Adobe Audition. They might still use Pro Tools. Uh, or they might use, uh, you know, something on, on iOS and we've, I'll, I'll be talking a little bit more about some of your options for iOS because there's a lot of people doing that, but 
The way I do it is I'll have my audio interface. It'll be plugged into my Mac. I record over Skype. I record using Audio Hijack. So I set one of the inputs as my microphone and I set another one uh, to be Skype and it's the audio coming in from Skype. And Audio Hijack is smart enough to know not to record my track as well as the guest's track on Skype. There's tons of configuration and I am working on a video of exactly how I do this. I keep talking about it, but uh, I want it to be perfect. So this is a wonderful way to record. Of course, there's equivalents on the PC side. This is a Mac application, of course. Uh, and then you can also record straight from Skype as well with Ecamm Skype Recorder, or they call it Call Recorder now. But if you have the opportunity for your co-host to record their end, again, just like I've been saying for years, if they're comfortable doing it, have them do it, but still record their track on your end that's important. Why? Because it allows you to match up the track that you've been given with the track that you've recorded. We've talked about audio drift in prior episodes. I'm not going to cover it again here, but you can account for audio drift because you have their track that you recorded on your end as a reference point visually in your, in your podcast editor uh, to do that. But back to Mike's question, is there anything that doesn't require expertise? I mean, yeah, there are a lot of things out there where you're basically just, you hit the button, you're recording, you're done. You can put in some beginning music and outro music and publish it. But that's not what I want from a podcast as a listener. I want something that's that's produced. I want something that's edited. I want something that's thought through. I want something that is carefully considered and painstakingly created. That's what I want to listen to. And there are a lot of those out there that I'm sorry if your MO is just, well, I hit record and then I published it. I ran it through some uh, thing to clean up the audio. It's done. It's ready. I'm not going to listen to that show. And a lot of people aren't going to listen to that show. I want something that was created with care. And, uh, and you know what? You should expect that too. You should expect no less than that. Uh, and I'm not saying that you can't accomplish those things with cast, or with another tool, I'm, I know that you can, uh, but I don't know of anything that's as easy as a one-click publishing type solution, unless you're going into a podcast studio that has an engineer sitting there telling you they're ready to go, and all you have to do is, uh, is talk about it, uh, or talk about your topic. There is uh, another question here from James Shield. Hi, James. Says, hey, Dan, glad the show is back. Have you tried Descript? Uh, so Descript is a podcasting tool that lets you record and edit and mix in a browser. But the cool thing about it and the thing that makes it different is that it has built-in transcription, hence the name Descript. I think there's a, a little wink and nod to that. Um, basically, you edit your audio by editing the text that it has come up with for the transcription, right? And then you drag and drop, you can add these music and the sound effects. There's an editor that lets you tweak stuff. But let me just say that again, it transcribes it and you actually are editing your podcast by editing the text. It will do the edits and stuff like that for you. Uh, again, is that for me? Is that a thing I'm going to do? Well, no, because I've got... I've got decades of time invested in audio editing tools, but for somebody who's just showing up, who doesn't want to buy or download or pay for some kind of editing application or can't afford it or whatever, uh, or, or who just doesn't want to bother to learn it and wants to just edit with text, 
this is a pretty interesting technology. And I'll tell you what, these machine learning applications are growing so fast that pretty soon I can see something like this being the future of podcasting. It's, it's very interesting for the stuff I do. No, this does not cut it. This is not how I want to work, but you know, this might just be the thing you've been waiting for. And if it, if it means that it's going to be one less barrier for you to do the show that you want to do, try it. So they have AI transcription, which they say is 96% accurate. Uh, they say it has three minute turnaround for a 60 minute file and it's free with your subscription or you can do human transcription, 99% accurate, takes about a day to turn around and it's a buck 25 a minute. Uh, their pricing, they have a free plan that lets you do up to three hours of speech. That's free. Um, if you want full audio or video editing with transcription, it's 10 bucks a month. That's not a lot of money. Uh, to try something out and to see to see how it works. I mean, it's free. You could even do that. But if this sounds like something that you're interested in, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool example of what, what we're able to do today with machine learning and AI and technology. Thank you for your question, Tomas. Uh, the answer is absolutely yes. You should 100% do this. It doesn't matter whether it's a limited series, whether it's one season, whether it's five episodes. Uh, if it's good stuff and you've got something to say and you've got good content to create, absolutely put it out there. Uh, case in point, did you watch Chernobyl on HBO? Amazing. They're not doing season two of that. They're never doing season two of that. It is what it is. They told the story. The story is done. And this thing was an amazing, amazing, amazing TV show. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's great. But again, it was a, I forget how many episodes it was. Was it six? Uh, whatever it was, they told the story in how many episodes they needed to tell the story and they dropped the mic and walked away and it was perfect. You can do the same thing, Tomas. I'm telling you, there's no reason for you to not do it. The only thing that you need to consider, the only thing that you should consider, any of you who are doing this kind of work, where you might be coming out with something that isn't ongoing, is... Uh, is really about the hosting of it. Where are you going to put it so that after you've done it, especially if you're not making recurring revenue from it, you're going to have to pay to have it hosted somewhere. You've got to pay that. Now, yes, you could you could put it up on SoundCloud, which I guess is kind of sort of free. You could put it on another free podcast hosting site and and you would be able to have it there indefinitely for free. But if you're going to be hosting it on like a, you know, more professional level podcast hosting company. And really that's everything from Libsyn all the way up. You're going to be paying something every month to keep it out there. Right. And that's very different from, you know, publishing a post on medium where it doesn't cost anything. You publish that post. It's out there forever. People can read it. You can forget about it. And in five years, someone comes back and it's still there. Well, if you did that with your podcast five years later, you've still been paying whatever, per month that you've been paying. So just keep that in mind. That would be the only thing that you want to think about. And that's actually really good advice for anyone who's starting a podcast. Inevitably, eventually, that podcast will probably end. You'll probably say it's done. It's run its course. Now, you can host super cheap on Amazon S3 with a, 
you know, a little free website or something. You could get a Squarespace site and pay 10, 12 bucks a month. You could host it on Fireside. I mean, there's anything you can do, but just keep in mind, like hosting stuff costs money. So as long as you're cool with that, then the answer is yes, you should do something and, and put it out there. And then again, if you can get sponsors or Patreon supporters and they support you for, you know, the, to the tune of a few hundred bucks, that might carry you for five years. So consider it. Dominic Schwind asks any opinions yet on the new little Rode microphone. It, it might be Roadie. Again, somebody who knows how to pronounce Rode or Roadie, I've heard it both ways. Uh, let me know if I'm doing it wrong. Well, um, what uh, Dominic is talking about is the NT-USB Mini, which Rode calls the studio quality USB microphone. Uh, this thing is so cool looking. I have been looking at this thing since it came out. Uh, I just think it's, it's so cool. So let me tell you about it. First of all, it's pretty small. Definitely small enough that you could throw this thing in your bag and and take it with you. It has sort of a built-in stand. It can also disconnect from the stand and be uh, be mounted on a, on a boom arm. It's very cool. It's black. It looks like something you'd find kind of like in Darth Vader's personal recording studio. Uh, and here's what they say about it. The NT-USB Mini brings the pristine sound quality of Rode's Roadie. Come on, somebody. I'm going to call it Rode. I'm just, let's agree to call it Rode. World-class studio mics to a compact, easy-to-use USB microphone designed to deliver crystal clear, professional quality audio direct to a computer or tablet. It's the perfect microphone for gamers, podcasters, musicians, streamers, and content creators who want to be heard in full definition. It's a condenser mic. Uh, that we've talked about the difference between condenser and dynamic mics. Generally speaking, condenser mics benefit is they give you a very, very warm sound. They give you that, for lack of a better term, a live sound. Uh, and, and, and they have a lot of, uh, they don't need much gain. Really, really great to get a good signal on one of those. And they're very popular also because for a long time, they were the lesser expensive. What you would find if you went into a radio station or most podcast studios, uh, you're going to find a dynamic mic because dynamic mics, like I've said a billion times, are really good at sound isolation. What does that mean? That means if I go off mic like this, you can barely hear what I'm saying until I get back on mic. A condenser mic is not going to do that. All I did was turn my head slightly. That's all I just did. A condenser mic is going to pick up a lot more sound. That can be great, but it can also be a little detrimental unless you're in a really soundproofed room. If you are sitting in your room and you can hear your air conditioner, or your fan going and your neighbor's dog barking, you probably don't want a condenser mic. That said, condenser mics, again, do give you a really, really natural, warm, wonderful sound. Um, this has a built-in pop filter. Um, it, it says that it's supposed to reduce room sounds. Um, with the, the pattern that they use in their uh, cardio, uh, you know, polar pattern is what they say they have. So, you know, maybe that would help. Uh, it says it has a detachable magnetic desk stand that provides excellent isolation from knocks and bumps and is quick and easy to remove. I'll be the judge of that, Rode. Send me one of these and I'll tell you if it really does isolate sound and keep quiet knocks and bumps. That is one of the biggest problems 
that you're going to find when you're podcasting, especially if you have a desk stand. Booms uh, help a lot with eliminating those kinds of vibration sounds. You would be shocked at just how much sound gets picked up. That's where you want to use a noise gate. Noise gate is your friend. In fact, a noise gate might just be your best friend. It's even more important in a lot of ways than a compressor for getting great audio quality. A noise gate, uh, imagine like a gate. The gate only allows things that reach a certain volume to get through. So for example, if I stop talking, you didn't hear anything, right? That's not because I'm in a silent room. I'm not. There's noise. But the noise gate keeps that noise out. It filters it out because it doesn't reach a certain threshold. That, uh, that really to get to that threshold, you have to be a person on a mic, you know, talking through the microphone, anything else, just a little bit quieter than that won't get picked up. You got to be careful with a noise gate, because if you set it to be too aggressive, it will actually chop off the end or the beginning of what you're saying, because it takes a minute for its attack to register your voice, but, um, topic for a different episode. Anyway, this thing looks really, really cool. Uh, it is in the show notes. They actually show it on its desk stand. They show it being mounted on a boom. Uh, it looks really, really cool. Uh, and it's not expensive. It's about a hundred bucks. I'll put in a link to this uh, if I can find it. Uh, yeah, there's a link to it where you can buy it if you want. I haven't bought one of these. I sure would like to try one of these things. I think they look really, really cool. You can get it on, looks like I'll put a link, here's a link to it on Amazon for a hundred bucks. And I'll also put a link to it on, uh, here it is on Musician's Friend. So it'll be on both of those places for you if you want to try it out. If, do you have one of these? Have you gotten one? Are you going to get one? Uh, let me know. I don't think that these things actually ship uh, for another couple weeks, but they look really cool. And if anybody at Rode or Rody is listening, and you think you can get me one of these to try. I don't mind uh, trying it. I don't mind paying for it. Uh, or I can send it back. Let me know. I would love to, uh, to give this thing a try. The next question also talking about gear is from Gil. Gile? Gil? I said it right last week and he said I said it right. And now I've forgotten how I said it. He says, do you have any thoughts on the Rode pod mic? And he says, also, I got the Trout Audio Hijack. It's pretty dope. Well, the uh, the Rode Pod Mic is another one of these microphones that Rode is making. And, you know, they seem to really care about us podcasters. I've talked about this one a little bit uh, on Twitter. It looks really, really cool. Well, the name Pod Mic makes you think that it's uh, geared toward podcasting, right? Yeah, you'd be right. They say it is an all new broadcast grade dynamic microphone designed for podcast applications with a built-in pop filter and rich even sound. It will give your voice a silky professional quality. And of course, it's XLR interface, not USB. So right away, you can look at these two different microphones, both of which are relatively new from Rode. And, uh, and, and so this one obviously geared for podcasters and they know that, right? So what did they do? They made it dynamic. It's a dynamic mic, like I was demonstrating before. It does have a little stand, but it looks much more like it's uh, designed to be uh, put on a boom. It... Uh, is a front-facing microphone, just like we expect from dynamic mics, what they call end fire. Um, and uh, and this thing looks super professional. It looks really, really nice. I really want to try one of these things. Uh, this one has already been for sale for a while, and I don't really think I have 
a reason why I haven't just bought one to try it. It's also a hundred bucks. And if this thing sounds as good as it looks and as good as it seems, this will probably be the mic that I would recommend to everybody. This will be my go-to mic recommendation to make. Uh, this thing just looks awesome. And I, I, I owe it to y'all to get it and do a video review of it. I, I just, I think we need to do that. Dwayne Diker writes in and says, how valuable is it to have transcripts of each episode? Any suggestions on affordable ways to get this done? There are a lot of transcription services out there and a lot of people like to do transcriptions. I built so many wanted it that I had to build an upload feature into Fireside. I actually had some people that, that were transcribing and doing it so much and they had such long shows, we had to increase the file size limit uh, to allow these just text files to be uploaded. It's uh, it's very important, I think, to do transcripts, especially if you want to share that with an audience who maybe just wants to scan or skim to find a certain point. I mean, if you listen to your show and you come back, and you're like, you know what? I remember they were talking about this one topic, but I can't find it. I'm trying to scrub through this two hour long podcast and I can't find the thing I was talking about. How frustrating is that? It's very frustrating. A transcript would let them find it again, even if they're not getting the exact time code. Uh, transcripts are also incredibly useful for hearing impaired people. And you'd say, what, hearing impaired people? Why can't they enjoy podcasts and your podcast content too? I think it would be fantastic to make it available to everybody. So for that reason, transcripts, very important. Uh, but they do get expensive. And we just talked about the script. Uh, that could be a way for you to get an affordable transcription solution. Uh, that might be a good solution for you, even if it's AI and even if it's not perfect, wouldn't it be better than nothing? Maybe. Um, as far as value to the show, value to increasing your listenership, debatable. Value to getting better SEO because your podcast is transcribed, maybe. Uh, I think the value is more in expanding it to an audience that might otherwise not be able to enjoy the content that you're creating. Um, okay. Kyle Hughes asks, how do you actively develop that radio cadence of speaking? The best example I can give is that sometimes you'll say a few words, pause, repeat those words, pause a bit longer. It sounds great, but it's specifically used while orating and feels like a learned thing. It feels like a learned thing. Just kidding with you, Kyle. Uh, I don't know. I've listened to talk radio my entire life. There was never a point in my life where I have not been listening to talk radio, except recently, because now I listen to podcasts. Uh, so I don't know where it comes from. I have been told that uh, when people who meet me, I've been told that I sound exactly the same as I do on the podcast. I've been told I sound nothing like I do when I podcast. And I said, is it because my voice sounds different or is it the way I speak? And the people who say that I sound different have said, I think you just have a different tone, but that makes sense because I'm talking to, I'm in an empty room. I'm essentially talking to myself, but there happens to be this microphone right here in front of me. Um, that's kind of the only difference but I'm aware that this is going to be heard. I'm aware that there's an audience and perhaps the way that I speak is a little bit different because I'm speaking to an audience. If you've ever seen me give a talk somewhere, 
I imagine it's very similar to how I talk here, but this isn't how I'm talking to my daughter when I'm reading her a bedtime story at night. That would be kind of dumb. I talk differently in different situations, and I think most people do. So if I'm reading a news story or I'm orating, as you say, to somebody, um, yeah, I suppose it does come across as a little bit different. Sometimes it's because I'm thinking while I'm talking or I'm imagining the thing that I'm going to say next or I'm figuring out the best way to make a point. But I think everyone should focus on developing their own style. And a really good way to do that is to emulate the people that you like. You've got to make it your own. Notice I didn't say copy. Shame on you if you think I said copy. Don't copy anybody. Be yourself. Put your own best work out there. But if there's something that you like that someone does, there's a manner of speaking. By all means, practice that. Learn that and and build on it and create your own. And this is important. Your own take, your own version on that. Uh, it's something that that's very important is be unique be yourself. And if the way that you talk is, uh, you know, is, is different then use that. There's nothing wrong with just allowing yourself to be yourself. It's so important. There's so much content out there already. Being distinctive is a way for you to really make a mark and create a place for yourself. Even if your opinion, you don't want to insult anybody, but even if your opinion is unpopular, share it in a way that's constructive, share it in a way that's, uh, that's creative and positive and, uh, and you'll be fine. And that's all I've got. You know what? We're almost at that hour mark. So I'm going to, I'm going to end it here, but I want to say thanks again to everybody who's supporting the show on Patreon. I ask you, if this show is even slightly useful or interesting to you, consider a donation on Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash podcast method. Whatever you think is fair, uh, I so appreciate it. If you want those shows early, uh, become a member at the first tier and you'll get the shows early and you'll get a ton of new content coming out soon. But every little bit helps. Whatever you can afford or whatever you think is fair is amazing. Uh, if you want to email me, it's dan at 5x5.tv. Uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me. And Twitter. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. So thanks so much for listening to the show. I sure do appreciate it. And I'll see you all again next week. 